Hello, everyone, and inside today's episode of Locked On Canadians, we have a very special guest. We are talking all things OHL. We are talking Owen Beck, Cedric Indone, Vinces Roar, and so many of the other Habs OHL former prospects now all inside today's show. For Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 666 of Lockdown Canadians. And today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered the season more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Do not worry. This episode is not satanic in any sort of nature, unless you are a Leafs fan, at which point we have been your devil in your side for well over three years now. I am one of your hosts. I am Scott Metlove. This is obviously releasing on Tuesday. We had a very busy Sunday. We were not able to get our normal episode time out, but good things come to those who wait. I'm joined again by my co-host, the active stick, Laura Saba. Laura, we are very excited about this episode as we continue our tour of Habs prospects and prospect experts to help tell us what we need to tell our listeners so we can take credit for sounding smart on this show. Um, I actually just showed up to work today to hang out with our very special guest because I know the topic today is pretty much your area of expertise and also you both, uh, I expect to bond over a player that you're both very high on in the HAB system. I just wanted to be around to hear the conversation. I'm very excited about this though and I'm very excited for our listeners to hear what our special guest has to say about all the HABs pro- prospects. Yes, we are joined today by lead OHL scout at elite prospects lauren kelly lauren thank you so much for joining us we are so happy to have you here is that the first show we've done together we've done game over with andrew berkshire but thank you so much for making the time for us today yeah no thanks for having me guys this is my first locked on podcast ever so it's great to be here (laughs) we love we love uh we love having people on for the first time on this show here. We've, it, it's always fun, and we'll hope you'll be back again in the very near future when more OHL-related things happen. I'm going to jump right into this because I have been waiting for this because I want to talk about this prospect because I love this prospect. And when I was at the draft and they made this selection, I got out of my three-and-a-half-hour hungover state to celebrate when the Habs picked Owen Beck at 33rd overall. When they picked Uri Slavkovsky, my thought was they have to draft a center. Owen Beck is going to be there at 26, hopefully, and he seems perfect, and they still got him in round two. Having purchased and read Elite Prospects Guide, I know that you are a huge fan of Owen Beck and were one of his initial supporters as you were putting the guide together and in meetings. What should Habs fans know about Owen Beck, Lauren? Um, well, oh, well, first of all, I I was day two of the draft. I was so disappointed he didn't go in the first round. I thought, you know, all season, this is what we he's been building up for. I thought he deserved to go in the first round. Obviously, everything worked out as it should. I mean, the Canadians got an absolute great prospect here. Um, You know, Beck is probably not going to be, you know, a first line center or second line center. You know, the Habs have Nick Suzuki and Kirby Doc now. So, you know, I, I could easily see Owen Beck slotting in at, at, as their third, third line center down the road. Um, just a cerebral, super smart, intelligent player, um, plays the game on um, both sides, doesn't cheat defense for offense. He's 
stronger arguably off the puck than he is with the puck and he's got phenomenal tools his skating is excellent and this is just a player who continued to impress me every single game that I watched this season which is something that um, I couldn't say about a lot of prospects out of the OHL in this past draft season uh, just because you know they were coming off the lost season and there was consistency issues and I wasn't really sure if they were going to keep building across the board, you know, continue to impress me. I was a little more lenient than I would have been in past years, just because I know these players took a year off unexpectedly. And obviously we weren't sure how that was going to hurt their development. So for a player like Owen Beck to keep building and continuing to impress and excel every game that I watched. And I, I mean, I scouted Mississauga the most out of any team this season. It's the closest OHL team to me. So I go out there often for games, but it was just so impressive. He was so impressive to watch and, you know, he's a great guy too off the ice. So I have a question, and I don't mean this in – I hate player comparisons to a lot of things, but we mentioned that the Habs went with Slavkovsky at first overall. They still needed to fill the depth at center there. And when they traded up, we thought they were trading up for Shane Wright. I've seen a lot of people say that Beck has a lot of qualities that have made that made Shane Wright a very uh, well-rounded player in terms of his off-the-ice intelligence and knowing where to be. I'm not saying that he can be Shane Wright – but can he be like a lighter version of that to the Habs benefit if he continues his natural progression here? He's obviously only got the one OHL season because of COVID. But like you said, there's a lot of positive things he's been building on there on and off the puck. Can he be, you know, um, a slighter version of that uh, for Montreal? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to, you know, hype him too much, so to speak. So if he doesn't pan out, okay, well, you know, this, this person doesn't know what she's talking about. <laughs> But I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. I mean, I Beck was my, uh, after Shane Wright and, you know, Pavel Minchukov, I thought Beck was the best player out of the OHL in this past draft season. Um, just the consistency. And I think even on some nights, you know, where there were a lot of complaints about Shane Wright's consistency and, you know, he disappears a little bit in games. He doesn't dominate like an exceptional status player should or a first overall pick in the NHL should. Um, whereas, you know, obviously with Beck, you know, the consistency was there night in, night out, every shift. He's going wherever the puck is or wherever he needs to be on the ice. Um, but, you know, the one thing that was in doubt was his production, which is where, you know, Wright really excelled in that regard because, you know, 90 plus points in the OHL versus I think Beck had 51. Um, you know, that kind of probably is what ended up dropping him, just that lack of production. But honestly, I don't think it's out of the question to see that, you know, that could be that Shane Wright light type player down the road. I think one of the things that you that jumped up at me when you were talking was when you talked about how strong he was without the puck and he's as strong without it. And that kind of reminds me of something that Martin St. Louis says a lot is that he does he wants to make sure that his players I, I do believe he even said that it is more important for them to know what to do when they when they don't have the puck. Um, I'm very curious as to sort of his um, his hockey intelligence, I think, is, is the way that I'd like to put it, because Martin St. Louis calls that reads. You know, we call that cerebral. Uh, Scott and I talk about Nick Suzuki in that way a lot, where he kind of is able to take control of the moment that's happening in the game and kind of sort of turn it around to his advantage and sort of either slow it down or speed it up and, and, and really just be, just be the architect of that moment. I'm, I'm thinking about what's the movie with Leonardo DiCaprio and the, like they, they like create dreams and there's an architect of dreams. Inception. That's, <laughs> Inception yeah. that's the one. Is he able to inception the ice to his benefit? I mean, I realize that 
he's got a little, a quite actually quite a lot more games to play to sort of develop that sense. But do you see a hockey sense and an ability to kind of take control in his game? Absolutely. I think, you know, that was probably his strongest asset this season was his intelligence and just, you know, Mississauga was a great team this year and I don't think everyone expected them to be as good as they ended up being and I think a large part of that was due to you know their rookies being able to step into the lineup and excel right away and Beck was one of those guys and you know tracking data he's the one who was driving Mississauga's offense every single night and you know he didn't always have the puck but he was you know pressuring puck carriers um, going to the right areas, yeah, stripping pucks, forcing turnovers, you know, chasing after um, opponents who had the puck down uh, down at the other end of the ice just to force a turnover and create a scoring chance. That kind of play is just invaluable. I, I don't think that's something you can necessarily teach those kind of instinctual plays where, you know, this player knows where he should be. This player knows how to get the puck back when he doesn't have it. And, you know, going about that in a very intelligent, almost like um, mechanical way, like it was just in like, boom, boom, boom. Like he was almost like a robot on the ice. Like I'm going here, I'm going to get the puck and I'm going to create a scoring chance off of it. And that's just, you know, it speaks to his intelligence. I mean, this player is incredibly smart. He knows exactly where he needs to be and he executes what he intends to do. And I think that was just so, what was so impressive watching him this season. And we do have so much more with our special guest, Lauren Kelly of Elite Prospects coming up in one moment. We are talking the other Habs AHL prospects. OHL prospects and some prospects who are heading to the AHL and that's all coming up next but first today's show is again brought to you by betonline.net they are the fastest and easiest way to check all of your betting needs get all your favorite sports and events number one online source for all your odds lines games whatever you need you can find at betonline that's major league baseball in full swing hockey's somehow not that far away football starts again soon they have everything that you are looking for whether it be wagering info, live in-game betting scores, podcast news, everything is at betonline.net. You can check that on your computer or on your mobile device to learn more about the action happening. Bet online, where the game starts. We are back with special guest Lauren Kelly of Elite Prospects. She heads up all their OHL scouts there we are very very grateful it is obviously a very busy off season the gretzky Helinka tournament has started we have world juniors part two boogaloo around the corner and training camps and everything else are just behind that we've talked about owen beck in the first segment here a little bit and now the question becomes the habs picked two other players out of the ohl this year they picked cedric Indone and vinces roar we talked to Tony Ferrari about Vincez, and he was a huge fan of that. And we haven't talked a lot about Cedric Indone, who is actually someone I'm very intrigued by because the point totals look decent for the role that he's playing on the scene. But I don't know much about that player overall. Admittedly, I pretend to be a prospect expert on this podcast. That's why we have guests like yourself, so I can continue to pretend that I'm a prospect expert on this podcast. What can you tell us about Cedric Indone and what kind of player he is and what should Habs fans kind of expect from him? Yeah, well, Gindon, especially at the beginning of the season, it was, you know, a player I was unfamiliar with. Um, but, you know, especially he went on a ridiculous scoring tear, I think, in February where he was scoring like four goals a game, which was just mind blowing. I think it only lasted for two or three games, but it was just kind of insane. Um, this is a player who's... Um, also, again, very smart. The skating um, needs a little bit of work. Uh, it's a little bit slower for a smaller player. I'd like to see him add a little bit more acceleration and refinement with his edge work. 
Um, just a really smart player. He has great offensive instincts. He's good defensively. This is a really solid late round or late, late mid mid late round pick for the Habs. And I think they got a good player here. If he can continue to just, you know, build on what he did this season in his OHL rookie season, they should be in good shape for down the road. I was going to say, I, I keep looking at all these players and I go, wow, none of them scored anything last year, forgetting that there was no OHL season in 2020. And in your opinion, does that kind of impact some of these players' chances that it stunts their development? Like, Guindon would be going into, you know, his now third full season in the OHL, but he's got just one under his belt at this point. Does that kind of impact what their projection is when you're scouting these players or analyzing them? Or do you kind of refocus given the context that, yeah, all of them lost a season uh, in that regard? Yeah, I think, you know, you have to be a little bit cautious as to, you know, we don't know how much their development is going to be impacted by missing an entire year at, a, at arguably a critical time in their development. Um, you know, with players like Wyndon, you know, a lot of them started off slow in the OHL this season. And even you could argue Shane Wright didn't look like himself until February. So, you know, development was hurt a little bit by not playing last season. And, you know, even if they didn't play in the OHL, usually the OJHL would be an option for them. And that wasn't even running up and running, I don't think. So that there's really no measurement for how much it's going to be impacting um, a prospect's development. What I was really looking for over the season was just progression. You know, if, if he's notice, not noticeable on the ice in November, does he look different in March or April? Is he, you know, taking steps forward? Is he producing a little bit more? Um, and there were a lot of prospects, I thought, out of the OHL who continued that progression. You know, obviously there were some who started off really hot in October, November and kind of dipped by the end of the season. Um, is that, you know, a matter of not um, not playing the last season and, you know, tiring out a little bit, the conditioning not being there? Um, you know, there's so many variables with how to approach scouting the OHL last season. It was incredibly difficult to, you know, say whether or not you know, this is a player worth betting on in a late round of the draft, or if this is just who he is and he's just a really good junior player, he'll be a really good junior player once he, you know, adjusts the OHL, but there's not much there as far as, you know, next steps to the AHL, to the NHL. And I guess uh, before we end up wrapping on this and getting into our listener questions, uh, we, we want to know a little bit about more about Vince's roar because I'm looking at all these profiles of these players and everything seems to be trending along the plays hard, you know, knows where to be defensively and knows how to, you know, read plays and play with intelligence, not just kind of trying to brute force their way through things. They think the game a step ahead there. And like Laura said in our last segment, that's what Martin St. Louis is preaching is that, you know, be a step ahead and play with your instincts. Does Rory kind of fit into that? I, out of everyone he, besides Meshar, who I love uh, for a number of reasons, this is a player who intrigues me most because they have all the markings of someone that comes out of nowhere once they've either grown a little bit in their body or everything just kind of clicks. And I'm wondering, can they be that you know third-round kind of hidden gem a la a Braden Point or not saying he's going to be Braden Point before Lightning fans start yelling at me, I promise. Just that kind of sneaky pick that we've seen teams like Tampa and other uh, – organizations find in the rough in the past yeah well I mean for full disclosure I love Roar I think you know he didn't get enough love this season and I you know look at Marco Casper another Austrian who went I think eighth overall at the at the draft and I think they're very similar players 
Um, obviously, Roar is a little bit smaller, um, still quite speedy, um, very intelligent, um, and he's just so delightfully violent. It is kind of beautiful to watch. He kind of, he has kind of mastered this kind of um, physical almost chaotically physical game where he doesn't toe the line necessarily, but he throws the body for a smaller player and he uses it to separate players from puck. So it's not just kind of running around the ice looking to take someone's head off. It's a very almost intelligent clinical violence where, you know, he's, you know, um, reverse hitting. And like, this is like <laughs> such an odd description of like, so people are going to think I'm insane, but <laughs> I love it. That's, that's like I the kind it. of player he is. Just like intelligent violence where, you know, reverse hitting players or, you know, checking, stick checking or, you know, body positioning. I'm like, I'm like trying to move around like this. This is like a thing. But that's like the kind of player he is. And then, you know, the offense wasn't there at times this season. But, you know, it's probably going to come as he gets more reps in the OHL or, you know, wherever he ends up playing next year if it's not there. Um and this, you know, he makes a living out of scoring in front of the net, you know, getting himself open. And he's just that kind of player who is always turned on, you know, that tenacity can't be switched off, so to speak. And so he's always fighting for positioning in front of the net or he's, you know, charging in on the forecheck. And he's just one of those players who seems to make something happen every time he's on the ice. We we love to see that. It. it it reminds me of mixing a little bit of like Brendan Gallagher, who just loves to get to the front of the net and be a disturbance, but all the smart parts of like an Arturi Lekkonen, who obviously the Canadians traded away is that they're always engaged in something, even if it's not on the score sheet, that engagement is there. And we do have one more segment with our phenomenal guest, Lauren Kelly of elite prospects. We took some of your listener questions and we're going to dive into that coming up next. We are back. It is time for our final segment. Uh, I have talked a lot, so I am actually going to turn over the reins slightly to my co-host here <laughs> since she also has the questions in front of her, full disclosure. We are again joined by Lauren Kelly of Elite Prospects, their lead OHL scout and awesome personal role. You should be following her on Twitter for all of your scouting needs. The Holinka Gretzky tournament is going on. Followed all the folks over to Elite Prospects. We love their draft guide and we love them in general. So, I'm going to shift it over. I'm going to give the reins to my co-host who has the questions in front of her. Laura, take it away. <laughs> so I want to start with a question that we got on YouTube because we talked about delightful violence in the previous segment. Um, speaking of delightful violence, um, we well, we have a listener, Michelle, on YouTube who wants to know what potential you see for the future careers of Jan Mishak and Arbor Jackai. Uh, well, Delightful I'll start with uh, I'll start with Arbor, <laughs> I guess. Um, that's the thing about delightful or violence is you know it can be delightful and it can also be you know unwarranted. And you know I think Jack, I you know I was hoping to see a little bit more refinement and discipline out of him this season, and I think it's safe to say that we didn't quite get that. I mean, he was suspended three separate times this season, all for multiple incidents. Uh, there was a slew foot, a fight, and then a, and then a headlock, I think, in March, which was. You know, I mean, by the OHL standards, they're very strict about suspensions. Um, but, you know, some of these incidents, they're not just, you know, OK, he, he delivered a bad hit. You know, um, this is a player, you know, who is lauded for his physical game. And he um, when he's on, he can, you know, really turn up the offense and he can be the great defenseman that, you know, teams like Kitchener and Hamilton have relied on him for. 
but then you know he toes the line physically how how is this going to carry over to when he plays in the AHL next season is it going to continue or is or the Laval coach is going to be like okay you need to tone it down or you're not going to last long in the organization you know it's you know obviously a little bit disappointing to see how many suspensions he had this season uh granted again maybe he's a little rusty from not playing last season I, I don't know but um you know that's a player where I think the production is great but I think the discipline issues might be more of a concern going forward than I think a lot of Habs fans would have hoped for um as for Meshack, I mean I'm interested to see if he's more than just a great junior scorer I mean the production was great this season he was really driving play for Hamilton um at both ends of the ice um I see him probably as like a third line checking winger in the NHL if he makes it there. And, you know, I think we're going to get a good sense of where he's at at the World Juniors that start next week. Um, I think he might, I think he's on the check roster, but if he's not, then obviously we'll see him at rookie camp at training camp. Um, And then, you know, uh, if he comes back to Hamilton for another season, that's not a problem either. I mean, he also missed his, or did he play during the back in the Czech Republic? handful of games in the AHL like he was a regular in the lineup but it was very clear that that step wasn't quite there yet the speed was a little bit beyond where he's at he didn't look like he was lost but you I think people had expectations of more than two goals which is tough the AHL is a hard step up for a lot of players and I think now and please do correct me if I'm wrong with another year in the OHL under his belt he was supposed to captain the Czech team. I don't know if he's going to. Uh, uh, if he's going, I can't. I believe Patrick Vexel had a thing that I'm not sure that he's going or not, just because of camp and you know recovering from the Memorial Cup and everything. But like you said, I'm very intrigued to see where he goes. He was lauded as a first round pick, fell a little bit, and a lot kind of like Owen Beck. It seems like Montreal might have found a steal there. And as for Jack, I, I'm absolutely terrified of what this kid's going to do next year when the AHL is a little bit more lenient on what you can get away with uh, in terms of some things. And my, I, my follow-up question to that is, does he have the skills to actually turn himself into you know, a solid defensive defenseman like a Joel Edmondson, that they can play that physical style without getting murdering themselves in trouble? Yeah, without murdering people, exactly. Well, the thing about Jackai is he's not throwing these arbitrarily dangerous hits. You know, it's the little bit little antics post whistle in scrums. Does he toe the line a little bit more there? Absolutely. So if he can rein in that kind of dis- be more disciplined in those kind of scenarios, I you know I wouldn't rule him out at all. As far as you know, the sky's the limit for this guy. The, the, I mean, he's a great defense offensive defenseman. I don't know a ton about his defensive game, but you know, production is great. The the discipline is the big question mark right now. I mean, we're going to learn a lot uh, from this first AHL season out of him, whether or not he can, you know, be the player that the Canadians hoped they were getting when they did draft him. And uh, Meshach, he is on the check roster, so we should see okay. him play next week. I, I had it written down. I just need to look. Oh God, that's notebooks. next week. Yeah, yes. uh, starts oh August. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't, yeah. I'm getting the, you know, the vibes we had in the bubble where we were doing hockey podcasts in August. Like that's the vibe that I'm, I'm, I'm currently feeling. Um, one thing I wanted to ask about Jackai is every time we talk about his discipline issues and kind of how, again, delightfully violent he is. Um, 
people get angry with us because they say he's not just a goon. Like you talk about him as if he's a goon. And I think it's really important to kind of talk about like, no, we don't think that. But what we want to know essentially, which is the question that, that, um, that Scott asked is like, he, does he have the potential if he can reign in that discipline? Is he going to be able to kind of live up to the, cause the Canadians took a chance on him, right? Like it was, um, I believe he was invited to a development camp and then they yep. signed him. Right. Um, so he was somebody where like he kind of came out of nowhere and blew everybody away in that camp. It, 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 he really did. And people were really excited about him. And then you kept hearing, well, it's never really going to happen. It's just one of those things where the Canadians, you know, get somebody's rights and things like that. I, I do think though, that we do kind of, he does have potential. We, we just have to kind of, rein in our own expectations he needs to rein in his antics and we need to rein in our own expectations because i do think he's going to be an effective player in the ahl i have very high hopes for him in the ahl the question is can that then become nhl level play right yeah like do i think he's going to be a Caden Gooley down the road for the canadians no i don't think so i don't think third pairing is out of the question in the nhl especially you know if he can you know channel that physicality into a more intelligent way um, and then, you know, the offense, he, he's a guy who can produce from the back end. And I think that's really valuable at, you know, any level of the game. So I definitely think, you know, taking all that, you know, kind of discipline issues aside, this is a player who has a legitimate chance to be an NHL player. There's just factors right now that, you know, we can't ignore, unfortunately. And, you know, the next year in the AHL will be kind of a big tell for us, you know, whether or not, you know, this guy is going to make it in professional hockey. So we've got another question. Actually, we the questions that we got were about Owen Beck that we've already addressed, and it's from Drive for 251. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take that question, which was kind of like, you know, what is his ceiling? Uh, do his linemates, linemates compliment him? We talked a little bit about, uh, you know, how he was doing in Mississauga. And I'll ask you, because we didn't really get to it in the first part, is like, what do you think are not, I hate calling them weaknesses because people, that upsets people. But if you were telling him, you know, you need to work on these few things in order to progress and develop into the NHL player you want to be, what are the things that you would think that Owen Beck kind of needs to work on? Yeah, well, that's a actually very good question. A lot of Owen Beck's, you know, concerns, so to speak, I wouldn't even call him concerns, really were with his production. You know, he wasn't producing enough for a first round pick. Um, the production issues, although, are probably a byproduct of his linemates. I mean, he wasn't playing with top end players last year in Mississauga, often, you know, fourth line, or I would classify them as fourth line OHL players, you know, not highly skilled. Um, so they weren't seeing what he was seeing on the ice as far as offensive sequences go. And then, you know, when he was sending them passes, they weren't, they weren't open or the timing is a little was a little bit off or when they were sending him passes he was in a different area of the ice because he saw a better opening and found space there um he looked really good with Zach Bavois and Luke Misa during the playoffs and I had been begging their head coach like you know just on Twitter not actually you know knocking this off the door <laughs> or anything but I've been begging them to play back with Luke uh, with Luke Misa and Zach Bavois all season and they finally did it for uh, I think four games during the playoffs they looked great together they didn't score at all I don't think but you know it you know these are also two players who were playing out their rookie seasons in the OHL too so um a lot of it I think was just timing issues you know learning to read off your teammates the guys you've never played played with before and the funny thing is he was actually lights out in November and then you know he was the OHL's rookie of the month um and then the production kind of dipped a little bit in February March and then Mississauga as a whole just struggled to score they couldn't seem to find the back of the net 
And then the other thing with, you know, his production was, you know, goalies in February and March seemed like hellbent on stopping him on the doorstep every <laughs> shift. And it was just getting ridiculous at, at that point. Like, you know, this guy is putting himself in areas where, you know, he deserves a goal at least at some point. Um, so I would say, you know, just reading off his line mates a little bit more, um, you know, maybe instead of going to the place where you know you can score, maybe see what they're trying to figure out what they're doing exactly, you know, to get that. But other than that, I mean, there's very few weaknesses to Owen Beck's game. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and list like a laundry list or anything like that. I mean, he knows exactly what he's doing. Um, he ramped up the physicality a lot towards the end of the season too, you know, laying hits, separating the players from the puck using good body positioning. And originally I thought that was going to be one of his weaknesses and then he took it to the next level. So he just seemed to, you know, have an answer for every limitation or weakness to his game. And I think that's what was also so impressive about watching him progress throughout the season. I think, you know, we are right to be excited about Owen Beck. I think I'm almost at Scott's level. Not not yet, but I'm almost at Scott's level with my excitement. And we've got one final question. Um, and it is from our friend Trevor C., who wanted to know about Cameron Allen as, of the Guelph Storm, uh, who apparently grew up a Habs fan. And so Trevor is hoping, also because Trevor cheers for the Habs, uh, that Cam gets drafted by the Canadians next season uh, because those, those players turn out to be Leaf so I don't know how much of 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 Alan you've watched, but uh, we wanted to know what you what your thoughts on him were. Well, uh, I will tell Habs fans right now who are a little bit intrigued by this um, kind of endorsement uh, that you can watch Cam Allen right now at the Holinka Gretzky Cup for Canada. So I would definitely turn the games on. Um, they just played their first game last night. He was exceptional. I mean, he had four assists. Um, you know, just breaking up plays, um, activating off the point finding teammates with passes and, you know, keep in mind, these are players who probably haven't played with each other at all before. Um, so he's probably going to be the OHL's top defenseman for the upcoming draft. I mean, he's in probably a neck and neck battle with Hunter uh, Brustovich, uh, who decommitted from Michigan to uh, come to play for Kitchener next season, which was like a big drama thing that we're, we're like, what is going on? Like, why would you decommit? It's rare, I mean, to see a prospect decommit from the NCAA to come play for the OHL. Um, but, you know, he's another top prospect for next year's draft that, you know, will probably be battling head for head for that top D-man spot out of the OHL with Allen. Um, Allen is just a great player. I mean, he just, he was really, really good for uh, Guelph last season as a rookie, as a, you know, 05 player who was really in his first true rookie season. Um, he held his own all in every viewing that I saw. I mean, I was very impressed with him by the end of the season, but uh, I'm just really excited to see where he can take his game. I mean, this is a breakout wizard, loves to activate, loves to play with the puck, but he, he reads um, incoming rush as well, defends the gap well. Um, you know, this is another player, you know, if the Habs are, you know, once again in that top 10, kind of top 15 situation next year, I mean, I don't think it's out of the question to say that, you know, this could be a target for them down the road. And that's what makes it so exciting because we know the Canadians are likely not to be as bad as they were this past season. So a lot of people are like, you know, they have their sights set on on Bedard and we're kind of like maybe maybe we're we're talking 5 to 7 spot and I know that the the first round is pretty thin on defensemen and so you know Allen's probably going to be highly coveted at that point so I hope that there's like like a marriage of the scenarios where he 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 progresses with his development in such a in such a way as to be available 
in the first round, right where the Canadians are picking. <laughs> like, that's what I would like to see. Uh, because as you said, he's a really intriguing play player and he's had some really interesting, um, he's had some really interesting sort of breakout moments. Uh, that I think does it for all of our questions. If you want to get a jump on our mailbag for this weekend, we do have another guest coming up for tomorrow's episode talking about uh, a league we haven't talked about yet. Uh, you can always send questions to LockedOnCanadians at gmail.com at LO underscore Canadians on Twitter, where you can follow us and all of our shenanigans. Uh, follow Laura at The Active Stick and follow myself at Scott Matla. And our guest, Lauren, please tell our lovely listeners where they can find your work and find you on social media. Yeah, so you can find, I write occasionally for EP Rinkside, uh, mostly OHL content these days. I did dabble a little bit of the NHL at the beginning. Um, and then you can, guys can follow me uh, at LauraKelly24 uh, on Twitter. Uh, we want to thank Lauren. Thank you so much for joining us. We, I now am more excited about Owen Beck, which is going to make me insufferable at the rookie tournament in September. But people are just going to have to deal with that because, once again, I like to be right in my analysis like I was with Sean Farrell. No, I will not let that go at this point in time. Uh, folks, when you're done checking out our show, please check out Lockdown NHL. It's the off season, but there's still a lot going on around the league, so you can check with all of our local experts and everything else. And we will see you all next time.